really do. You're a 21 year old punk fucking kid. This grandpa's given you everything all your fucking life. You've never had a car payment, a house payment. Everything you live in was given to you by grandpa. You fucking don't know what it's like to work for a fucking living like I do. To bust my fucking ass and do what I do. And you know what, Sean? You fucked me, and that's the way you got it. But you know what? Your grandpa's money will run out someday, and you'll have to feast for yourself. Get a fucking job, you piece of shit. Welcome to Behind the Smoke Podcast, Barbecue War Stories. My name is Sean Walchef with Cali Comfort Barbecue, and we are recording Above the Butcher Shop on Facebook Live uh, with my man Derek Marceau from Valley Farm Market. What up? It's good to be back home. We're back home from Texas. Back uh, to reality. Yes. Back um, in our little office up here. It's uh, our it's, podcast. It's weird studio. to feel like this is this is like home. It it's is like home for us. Yeah, we were just watching the Masters. I'm not mad about it. I'm not mad about it either. Not mad about it's, it. It's a good way to spend a lunch. Yeah, this technology nowadays, man, it's uh, it's amazing. For uh, the, amazing. For those uh, that are tuning in for the first time, uh, this is a business and digital marketing podcast. Uh, Derek and I are both very fortunate to have had incredible opportunities because of barbecue. Uh, we talk to other barbecue restaurant owners. We talk to caterers. We talk to other people that we admire that are not just in the barbecue business but are entrepreneurs, uh, people that we admire from afar. And just because of this podcast, we've been able to spend some time with some people doing some really cool shit, um, especially here in San Diego. And it's weird to bring on a guest. Um, this is a second guest that we've brought on. That's a childhood friend of mine. Uh, it's weird to introduce somebody that when you start to Google the stuff that he's doing, um, I've watched him do it uh, for the last, God, well, really professionally, probably for the last two last decade or so um somebody i've already talked about on the podcast for the stuff that he used to do for cali comfort barbecue um, with his former company but we have adam harris the ceo and founder of cloud beds uh welcome to behind the smoke uh, it's a privilege to be here i'm fired up dude it's so happy to have you here this is uh this is something that's really cool so real real quick give us uh give us a quick rundown of cloud beds so co-founded with my good friend Richard Castle who says hello from afar. What up Richard? Hey Richard. Basically we started the idea uh, in my condo downtown in San Diego. 2012 we had the idea to professionalize small independent hospitality. You've all stayed in bed and breakfast, boutique hotels. It's my favorite place to stay when I travel. Uh, you get a little bit better experience. A lot of times like small business owners they don't have the right tools to help them uh, reach new new guests, consumers around the world, and be equipped to make the right decisions. And so somewhere along the lines, we're like, let's build a platform. Let's go into the most unsexy industry that hasn't changed in 25 years and let's build something from the ground up so that we give these tools to, in, in, in spirit, make the world a little bit more welcome place. Um, I go to the Vegas every year for the same conference. Every year I stay at the same hotel, same dates. Every time I check in, they're like, have you ever been here before? <laughs> so at, at some wow. point, at some point, we're like, let's just solve that. Let's yeah. get the front desk staff from looking down at their fingers, typing into a machine and looking face to face with the sure. consumer. And so we built the tool. Um, we've grown up. We've got about 202 employees as of 202 employees, 202 employees as, wow. of, as of today. 
um, 31 countries around the world supporting 20 plus thousand hotels and property management. Was it something you really saw as a need? You know, when you're going to traveling a lot and seeing these little places, you were just kind of saying, hey, I think this could, could be better and just kind of jumped on the opportunity? It was a, it was a combination. Actually, Rich was backpacking in Brazil. Uh, northern Brazil. Okay. He was trying to book a hotel uh, at a Posada, which is a B&B. And he had to physically call each of the properties to see whether or not they had availability. Oh, oh, wow. And once they did, the guy said in Portuguese, uh, you need to send me $150 to my Brazilian bank account. Once it's there, I will confirm you via email and uh, wow. I will see you in two weeks. <laughs> Rich is like, oh, that's, like, that's oh, trustworthy. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's reassuring. Thank you. <laughs> so it, it, it sort of started, let's just make rooms available online. And then it became, let's build systems that make you know their lives easier. Then let's help connect to new consumers around the world. So we have a product that's a, called a channel manager. And it, it's really a switch. It's a connector into all the point of sales that we commonly use, Airbnb, HomeAway, Booking.com, Expedia, things like that. So it doesn't matter where the guest is shopping, we're reaching real-time inventory. Um, just like Amazon makes it easy to buy products anywhere in the world, with the click of the button, we do the same thing on the hotel side. Tell us a little bit about your background before that, because I think a lot of what you're doing now, I'm, I'm assuming that you probably saw those things also in the restaurant space. Um, tell us a little bit more about Calicles. Yeah, I, Rich and I did Calicles together. Um, we had a ton of fun, uh, <laughs> a lot of hospitality. So we, we had already started to see how fragmented and also difficult it was to just get systems to work together. So, Sean, we talked about this a million times, right? You have your micros or, or you know, positive or Aloha or whatever you want, NCR. You have your, your point of sale and they're closed systems. They don't like talking to other systems Correct. that might be a little bit more forward thinking, mm -hmm. uh, like order management, for sure. example. That's a, you know, a, a novel idea. Right. Well, open your tool up. You spent $10,000 you know, just buying a piece of hardware. Let it talk to other systems. Uh, website platforms, for example, so like tying in social media, tying in you know, online booking, like whatever it might be. There were so many parallels to what we saw on the restaurant side to the hotel side, as well as many verticals like just uh, general e-commerce. And so we weren't recreating any new playbook. We just had found a niche. And I think it's really the team that drove us to be where we are today. Um, Rich and I had great ideas along the way, and we, we stuck to it. There's a lot of entrepreneurial spirit between the two, but mm -hmm. like the team is exceptional. Every day I'm working with the best people for the industry and it's they are the ones in the trenches driving you know the business towards um, the future and we are very unique well I don't think we're unique in this but we're very f um, focused on our employee uh, we love our staff we, we invest in our staff because our formula is people first customer second business third if we take care of our employee we invest in them give them the accountability and responsibility and empowerment to do well, they're going to take care of the customer naturally. That's, and if they take care of the customer, they're going to take care of the business, right? And, and it's, it's really exciting to see that type of forward thinking because that's essentially what we've tried to do here as well. And it's, you know, growing up in the industry, we would basically, you'd say, okay, here's a percentage you're going to have for your labor. And then that's, 
what you have to keep it at all the time. And you're going to have your minimum wage employers and this and that. And for us, it's like, well, no, we, we, I don't have to go off that. I can yeah. break the mold. I can take care of them a little bit more. You know, right now it's not going to make me any more money, but if they're more vested in this company, they want to do better. They feel better about themselves. It's just going to be a better atmosphere for everybody in general. You know, and that's what I think people need to understand. That's where the, the world needs to go. It can't be just about what you're going to get monetarily. Like, what, do, what am I going to get? Well, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's what can you give back? What can you give to people? Look, I want my employees coming here being excited. Like, look, I know that, you know, doing cutting meat isn't the most exciting thing in the world. But if you have great people around you and you're having fun, you're excited to come to work. That's what's important. That's what the atmosphere that you're creating. It's awesome to hear that that's what you guys are doing. Yeah, tell us, because I know you did work for California Restaurant <coughs> Association, and we have a lot of restaurant owners that listen to the podcast. We also have a lot of people that want to open up a restaurant or get into the hospitality business. I mean, I, it's just such a unique time to be in business. I mean, just Cali Comfort, you know, we're coming up on our 10-year our anniversary, and I, I mean, I, I pinch myself when I think about what we were doing in 2008 compared to what we're doing now. And, you know, I know the work that you did for CRA, you were doing a lot of website work. And, you know, for us, typically you don't do business with friends unless it actually happens. Now we're doing a lot more business with friends because we respect the work that they're doing. You and I, we started our professional relationship basically off of a website request. Yep. You know, I think San Diego would be a whole lot better <laughs> if there was more collaboration between the craft, which is really where small business is going, it's craft. Mm -hmm. So your product, for example, your product downstairs, uh, Grand Ole, all the wonderful barbecue that's established. Imagine if that found itself into ramen occasionally mm -hmm. or into breakfast joints or whatever it is. It, it, there's so many examples of how that collaboration could take place. Sure. And it just benefits the consumer. For sure. And it creates brands and brand awareness. And I think that's where... Working with the CRA was empowering because it allowed us to start seeing how the dots were moving. And it took working on the board, working with the board members to see things that worked really well and then examples of things that didn't. So it was like these business leaders that I was respect you know, I was respecting and admiring to become, I, I learned things that I, I liked and I learned things I didn't like. And sure. we took that into who we are today. Uh, along the way we also love technology i mean my <laughs> nickname at college was gizmo i mean i've always been dabbling with engineering and things like that and I, all, of, all of our closest friends call him dweeb yeah right. there you go so, there you go <laughs> thanks john no problem um, that was for jake <laughs> the reality is the there's no shortage of where technology can drive us i mean at some point we probably won't have cars there'll be some type of autonomous thing that picks us up takes us to work drives us home, right uh hopefully that means safer roads, less pedestrian accidents, things like that. So right. while it might mean change, it, transition can be good too. Mm -hmm. So you know, when we look at web product and web technology and, and what that does, and it really makes the world smaller, which when we first sort of interacted with the internet, it was six degrees of separation. Sure. I think it's three now. That's tiny, yeah. It, wow. It's really small. And the world is becoming very small, very interconnected. And, and that means we can take from all these different mm -hmm. areas and piece it into something that's that's exceptional, um, which is why we tried to hire from the best uh, – we tried to hire the best talent mm -hmm. 
irrespective of geography. So when we have 31 countries, that's a lot of different. You have 31 countries? 31 countries of people. So Wow. Supporting 135 countries worth of hotels and properties. So when we, when we think about using words internally, the diversity of all those individuals, the cultural differences, we've had to retrain ourselves in our thought because we want that diversity because that's what makes us special. That's how it makes us accommodating to a niche that might be unique to one location. But what we think is funny here might not be funny in Brazil, might not be funny in Thailand. So it's really grounded us as individuals too to be more worldly and to think about things that are um, included and inclusive and, and, and also more of this sort of global mindset. Yeah, I know we sometimes get so caught up in where we're at right now, you know, and uh, I mean, it even happened for, <clears throat> for me in a, on a micro level, but going from San Diego to Kansas, just learning the different things. And I mean, you can pick up so many different things from so many different people. You know, the world, the world doesn't stop in San Diego. You no. know, if it keeps going and, you know, I grew up in a Hispanic family. We went down to Mexico all the time. And it's like that heritage, like learning those things, it's just so great. And you can take something from every place that you go. That's important because that means you're always growing too, that you're not staying stagnant, that you're continuing to, to be open-minded and say, hey, I don't have it always right. And it's completely okay, and I accept that. And actually, I'm I'm excited about that. So because I just want to keep learning. So I want to learn these these different cultures, see what's out there, and say, man, I can really take X, Y, and Z from them and put it into our format, and it's going to work out great. Yeah, one of the things I I do want to go back to when I did come to you with the problem because this is, you know, the more that we started podcasting, the more we started talking about digital marketing, social media marketing, the more that we realized that we're really living in this just incredible time where there's so much opportunity, but so much that's unknown. Yep. And, you know, one of the struggles that we were having as a restaurant, we were trying to find ways to get people into the restaurant to host different events. And in order to host those events, I realized that I needed to update our website so that if somebody typed into Google, hey, Mayweather fight San Diego, am yep. I going to show up? And if I don't show up on the first page, they're not going to click through. So, you know, I started looking at different ways. And at, at that point, I had a different web host where I'd have to email any updates to get that on the website. And yeah. then within a couple of days, I'd get those emails back. And then it would be something that, I oh, I wanted to add a photo. Yeah. You know, and I came to you with this problem. And basically, you, you tell me how, how it worked out. I told you you had to learn it for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you told me to bite the pill. To eat it? Yeah. And what did you suggest? Well, I suggested a tool that you could learn mm -hmm. and use. Um, what's funny is, I think, in hindsight, what I taught you, you've now become the teacher <laughs> because I now watch what you guys have incredibly have transformed into this media brand with all your connections social media. I, I need you guys to teach me now. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Because uh, you, you, you seriously empowered me because you forced me. You said, you're going to sit down with me and my brother, me and Will, and you came up to our office where yeah. Chris was up in Oberlin, and you go, you're going to fucking learn WordPress. Yeah. You're going to fucking sit here, and you're going to learn how to hyperlink, and you're going to learn how to add a widget, and you're going to learn all these different things so that you can fucking do it yourself. And, and it's I was like, dude, I have no IT background. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. He's like, if it... if the platform, if it's not easy enough to use, then it's not a good platform. Yep. And I'll, like, I'll never forget that because it's, you know, throughout our social media journey, there's been times where it's like, I don't like Facebook because I don't know Facebook. Fuck, I don't need it. 
But once I removed those and I started utilizing it, you realize that you can actually drive business through it. it. It's the web has become easy enough that anyone should be able to be empowered by it. And there's so much information online to empower you to be or learn to be professional. It only took just a kick in your butt a little bit. Literally, to get you, you, to yeah, do you it. talk shit to me and you came down. You're like, you need to fucking do it. Yeah. And you, you sat me down. And, and because I did that so far back and I was doing it throughout, it's allowed me to do a bunch of other stuff that I never fucking ever would have done. Yeah. I would have tried to hire somebody or had an agency do it. And, you know, just that alone is something that, you know, it's invaluable because I still don't know. And just because I learned it doesn't mean that I know it now. Rich and I still fix stuff all the time. Right? Yeah. But that's part of the process. Well, it's part of the process that you taught. It's the same. I mean, you know, you give a guy a fish, feed him for a day. Teach a guy to fish, feed him for a life. I love that. It's, a, it's the same thing, right? Yeah. So you just, he, he could have done it for you and it would have been done and great. But he taught you how to do it. Now you can go in for the rest of your life and be able to do that. And it, it creates a, uh, uh, you know, a fire where you want to keep learning because you're like, oh, shit, I could do that? Well, now I'm you know, just got to push myself a little bit harder and I can learn, you know, something else. And now, now look at you, what you're doing. And 10,000 uh, hours makes an expert. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I easily spent 10,000 hours. I think probably <laughs> a lot of the time that you spent managing other people's accounts helped you to build, helped you and Rich to get to the point where you're like, now you're empowering independent owners of properties <clears throat> so that they can have the tools that they need to build their business a lot of that and then a little bit of we were just sick of making a ton of money from other people we want to do that for ourselves <laughs> oh yeah is that what it was or it was or we were glutton for punishment and we wanted to start our own business it could have been that too how uh let's dig into sean's your guys's history what what would uh you guys met what year eighth grade eighth grade, eighth grade. Bishop, the was, bishop school and yeah. was he always uh as persistent as he is now? <laughs> I was taller than him. Really? He was. He was, for sure. <laughs> Probably not true. Wow. Wow. So eighth grade and you guys just uh, went to bishops? and Yeah, we've been friends since eighth grade. And, you know, it's crazy. When you go to a high school that only has 100 in your graduating class, um, you'd think that those people would drive you fucking nuts. But the amount of close relationships that we still have to this day, I mean, Rosie, she's she just... Every time she's like, "How do you how do you know that person?" Like, not only do you know the person, but you know the father, Family, the yeah. mother, the aunt, the uncle, and you know it's it's because these people cared so much. My grandfather cared so much about education that he, no matter what, was it was important for him to put me into that school. Yep. And shit, I don't know if I'm going to be able to afford to take, put my my son in that school, but <laughs> that's a that's a whole other uh, topic. So La Jolla was pretty. There's La Jolla High. Yeah, La Jolla and High bishops. and Bishops, La Jolla Country Day. Yep. So three schools. But, like, I would agree with you. Some of my closest friends came from my schooling years. Yeah. And I went to Berkeley, which has 45,000 students. Right. My first class at Berkeley had 800 students, so right. bigger than the entire Bishops High yeah. School, uh, which was obviously a whole new world and broke us out of our conservative bubble, yeah. uh, which is La Jolla. But I think it's the relationships and the fact that we know that we have people we can rely on or sure. call or, or ask for help, which has been just incredibly influential in my life. Well, it's a diversity of thought, too. Yeah, you know, it's absolutely. Like if you look at the backgrounds and the things that the different people are doing, it's, 
I mean, it's so wide ranging. I mean, you got this barbecue asshole out in Spring Valley. <laughs> well, also, it's funny. It's like if someone went to school on the East Coast, they went to New York or Boston, and they sort of built their careers there. Everyone we know is, has come back yeah. right, to, to San Diego and is building their own lifestyle and family and career. It, that's awesome. That, that shows the community aspect of San Diego and yeah, why we, we're so lucky. We definitely did it. Went out to Kansas and came back. My best friend played for the Toronto Blue Jays and came back. Um, but speaking to what you guys are talking about, I mean, some of my best friends that I have are, are definitely the the younger school. Yeah, you know, I, middle school, high school, and we have a few buddies at from K State that we still talk to a lot. But it's really just that core group. And a lot of times, people are like, "Oh my god, how long have you known him?" I'm like, "Well." He was actually at my birth. Yeah. Um, he was, I've known him since I was five. We played t-ball together. And, you know, it's, it's great so that... 15 years in, 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 hit, in high school versus four years in college. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. It was... Uh, it's true. And it's great. I mean, it's good to where we're uh, looking at a new venture out in La Jolla. So it's good to know that they have that community aspect about them. They so take care be, of their community. Yeah, be, that's for uh, sure. Be exciting. So tell us just a little bit more. Let's dig into cloud beds and um, yeah. it's. I mean, you're you're a tech company in San Diego, and I'm sure you have a lot of different pressures. Uh, one of the things we do like to talk about is the the non radio and non TV side of the interview. The shit that actually goes wrong <laughs> with scaling a company and raising money. Um, tell us a little bit about the challenges that you've had to face. Oh man, well, <laughs> we fired a. We fired a founder early on, so we had three of us who started the company, and um, you know, for various reasons, it, it, it wasn't a good future together. And how so, was your? How were you guys set up? Uh, as a equal founders, and, okay. and so you have the like LLC, a C corp, S corp. We were a C corp okay. at the time, and so you have the legal legalities of, of <clears throat> separation, and it's almost like a divorce, right? Right. You're, you're, you're really you're really ripping apart. Of uh, something that everything was being held together by the founders, that was really difficult. Um, I remember not sleeping for months as we were sort of processing that decision. One of the hardest things is to let go of people mm-hmm. because you impact their lives. Right? We heard that awesome, that voice awesome mail. voicemail in the beginning. <laughs> At the beginning, my, but I my mean, former like former business partner. Yeah, yeah, so you you affected his life, whether you know whether you meant to hurt or harm. You were doing what's right for your family and your business, and it's business. It's not personal. It's hard to. I mean, that's the tough part. Is separate. We two. say that it, it's not, per, but it is. It's it so fucking is. personal. Absolutely. Business is like if you want to be successful, you better fucking embrace all of it. You're you're running a people business. Yeah. I mean, we sell technology, but people built the technology. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's a people business. Um, that was one of the hardest decisions of my life mm-hmm. is going through that, and I'm thankful that I went through it. There's crazy stories that for another time we can talk about it. <laughs> There's some like, voicemails like Sean. I'm yeah, sure. <laughs> not so much. But, um, you know, we raised money. We had capital behind us. And so, like, the company was either going to fail or succeed. And Rich and I literally looked at ourselves, each, each other, and said, look, we could walk away. We could start over. We'll be fine. But these people put their money in us. And it was us they invested in. It wasn't the idea. They were investing in us to make that idea. How much? How much did you raise in the beginning? Uh, over a year or so, it was a million bucks. Mm-hmm. So it was meaningful. It was right. a meaningful amount of money. To Absolutely. People. And I'll never forget 
we just decided that we were going to eat it. And we were going to keep going. And we were going to take the, the punishment of failing for that first year. So you were open for a year. Open for a year. Still, And we knew we were going to be open for a year. We knew we, were, we had to find what we were going to ultimately do. Right. But we didn't get far enough along. And it was just you three guys at just the time? Just us three. And there was a couple of ancillary employees. Okay. But we didn't get far enough. We didn't hit enough milestones. And so we were struggling. Along the way, we also pivoted. We changed the concept. We went from being a consumer product to a business-to-business product. And that was a very difficult transition, but it was one that was natural. Because to do what we wanted on the consumer side, we had to do the business component first because we couldn't even get access to what we were looking for. So we had the idea of taking what Expedia is for consumers and travel down to Brazil. So you had the FIFA World Cup, the Rio games and all these little independent properties all over the world or all over Brazil in this massive influx of, of consumers coming to visit. They had no place to stay. So the average tourism um, count, I think, going to Brazil every year is 2 million people. FIFA World Cup alone brought 6.5 million people. Holy Jesus. shit. So where are they going to stay, right? So they had definitely some of the supply. The supply existed. But the supply had to get online so consumers from all over the world could book it instead of having to phone, you know, Tiago and, and wire money to his <laughs> bank account, right? Uh, the reality is to do that, we had to give them a tool to make it available to bring it online. And we didn't realize we were going to need to make that tool. We assumed that those tools were there and we could connect to them. That wasn't the case. We had to build the tool first. And by the time we built the tool, it was too late those events sort of move forward. But we, we had started to amass a little portfolio of properties. And then we bought a company that gave us a little more f- functionality. We tacked that on and then the product got better and then better. And so we went from, I want to say four of us in 2014 to about 14 in 2015, um, about you know 20 ish in 2016 to about 60 in 17. And so at May of, of last year, we were at 62 people around the world. Wow. And we've grown to 202 in the wow. last nine months. Where are and your offices? So we have offices in San Diego, Sao Paulo, Brazil, Dublin, Ireland, Kiev, and Thailand. And, and then remote people everywhere. We're fully remote, so we really believe in the remote mindset. But it, that growth, I mean, the, the pavement's still sealing, right? We, we're still wa- we're walking on it while while it seals a little bit. But it's been it's been an, an incredible journey. Like I am the luckiest person alive, and it's a result of my co-founder. It's a result of our early staff who stuck with us through the, the good and the bad, our shareholders, all, all the above. Do you ever talk to your old yeah. co-founder? We do. He's we just gave him a return. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was kind of fun. Cool. Um, yeah, good relationship. It's tough, right? It, right. You 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 go through the the bad and the good. I don't like burning bridges. I really want to always maintain you know good standing, whether it's a tough decision or not. But that sure. was one of the hardest hardest points of my life, and we had a really crazy crazy experience. I'll share because I think you guys will get a chuckle out of it. But <laughs> so you know, one of the early sort of alerts or alarms was at one event we get a phone call from our co-founder we'll leave name out but he's like i'm back in town he was living in brazil running our brazil operations we're like oh 
Okay. He's like, let's do breakfast tomorrow. <laughs> you're just telling us that you're now in town the night before. This is crazy. There's right. disconnected communication. Mm-hmm. It had been going on for a while. He's like, let's meet at IHOP. Fine. We're going to go meet at IHOP. The morning of, he goes, actually, you know what? I don't have enough time. Let's just do McDonald's. So like, fine. <laughs> We're going to McDonald's. So Rich, myself, co-founder, and another employee, we go to McDonald's. We sit down at McDonald's. We're at this weird booth. It's not a booth, but it's kind of a booth. We all ordered whatever shitty breakfast we wanted. Right. We're sitting there, and this guy walks up, and he's not 100% there. He goes, hey, I'm Joe. We're like, well, hello, Joe. He's like, I love McDonald's. We're like, great. We love McDonald's, too. Right. He's like... You know, McMuffins are the greatest things on the planet. And he's like high-fiving us. Super enthusiastic about McDonald's. That's fantastic. I'm like, great. Joe, we're having a really serious conversation here. <laughs> like, we're about to get rid of a founder. That's this conversation. Like, fuck off, basically. Right. right? He's like, I love chicken nuggets. I'm like, I do too. <laughs> I really I do. Like, I legitimately <laughs> like chicken nuggets. But you nuggets. gotta fucking be there. You gotta get it the hell out of here. Right. And so, I'm gonna pause and I'm gonna go back a couple days. So, Rich and I have not been sleeping for six months we were thinking about this decision sure waking up at 2 a.m not being able to fall back asleep lost all my hair as a result <laughs> of this company um no it was extremely stressful time and in in probably the darkest period of my time and i'm not a really religious person i have nothing against organized religion i'm just more of a faith concept like there's a higher being sure have a little faith in in, in whoever and and whatnot so I do what I don't do very often. <laughs> I said a prayer the night before. I was like, look, whoever's up there watching over all of us, just give me a little bit of luck to make sure that our company gets seen through in whatever difficult times that we're about to go through because it doesn't matter who you are when you fire someone, it's tough. We were in a really shitty place. We were running out of cash. Just a little bit of luck. That's all I'm asking for. Anyway, back to Joe. Joe's fired up about chicken nuggets. Loves chicken nuggets, sure. <laughs> we finally get him to go away. We start having this difficult conversation. Joe comes back and goes, hey, guys, Adam, because he introduced himself to all of us. He uh-huh. goes, I have something for you. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay Joe. Like, God damn it, Joe. <laughs> what the fuck, <laughs> the fuck out of here? Right, what do you have for me? And, he, and he's like, hold out your hand. I'm like, okay. And I go like this. And he puts a coin on my hand. And on one side... It's gold, it's plastic, it's a four-leaf clover. On the other side, it says a little bit of luck. And I look at this, That's and I'm pretty like, shut the wow. fuck up. And I smiled, and I'm like, it's going to be okay. Wow. And, I wow. and yeah, I, I still wild. get goosebumps. I still have that coin. And I told Rich the story right. afterwards. He's like, dude, we're going to be okay. And so we made our decisions, and we moved forward, and, and, and everything has worked out. But a little bit of luck bit also... Of luck is part of business. Did you buy him some fucking chicken nuggets? <laughs> Dude, I should have bought him the <laughs> you whole You should have bought him the whole bucket. <laughs> <laughs> we got, we'll find you, Joe. We're going to get you. Joe. Joe, my Dude, guardian angel. If Joe's out there listening, uh, we got chicken nuggets. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's, a, that's a fantastic story. I mean, one of the... And that's... Those are the things that are always difficult to talk about, and I appreciate yeah. you sharing that. You know, when Corey came and told me that the restaurant business wasn't for him, it was, it was really tough. Yeah. You know, my... You know, we became best friends in college. He grew up in Snowmass. Um, 
you know, he lived right down the hall from me and Garrett and, you know, we became, we became the closest friends. He moved out and started working on real estate with uh, myself and my grandfather. And, you know, we opened up this business. We thought we, you know, we're like, we'll get a liquor license going. We're going to make this thing happen. And it, it, it just wasn't for him. You know, it wasn't for him. And I'm so grateful to this day that we were able to work our way through that so that, you know, I could buy him out and we could maintain our friendship because, I mean, I watch what he's doing up in, uh, up in Marin County, um, North, North Bay properties. And I mean, he's selling real estate. He's embracing social. He's getting active. He's letting people know his story. And I mean, he's just doing an incredible job and it's, it sucks in business when stuff like that happens, but it does. And it doesn't just happen with partners. It happens with families that invest. It it happens, you know, with families that are working together, you know, having, you know, my brother work for us and get firing. My brother was probably one of the toughest things that I did too. I remember that. Yeah. Those, those are uh, great learning points. I know it's hard, but 90, 90% of the time, it's like the best thing that's ever happened. You know, it's so, after, not, yeah, not, not during. Not during. <laughs> that's extremely hard, but it's you, Sean and I, we were talking about this the other day, but, you know, business relationships have to, if you're going to partner with someone, and which is totally fine, I think it's great, but you have to find the right partners. And they ha- it, it's really, really important. I don't think Sean and I would have meshed if we were in our 20s more because of me because I was fucking wild you know <laughs> but like th- the way our paths crossed it just became a very organic and it's like okay I can definitely do this I can probably think of like two other people that I ever go into business with ever yeah. you know because I, I had a forced partnership here with my family and it was just extremely extremely hard my personality is really really hard to get along with like just because I'm so anal about certain things so it's knowing Sean like when we're, we're talking about doing a new business together it's like I know that I won't have to be having anxiety when I'm at home because I know if he's there, he's going to be doing the same exact stuff I'd be doing. Yeah. And it works out great. So I know he has my best interest at heart. It's the same way I know he can he can you know count on me to do the same thing. It's very, very hard to find those things. And when they're not there, they can't be forced. Man, I, I tried to force it for nine years with my uncle, and I could, <laughs> I could just never do it. You know, It just never worked. You're going to have highs. You're going to have lows. Mm-hmm. Even, with, even Rich and I get into it. From you time should. to time, and it's I mean, healthy. You, you, it's right? healthy. Conflict, yeah. conflict can come to resolution, and and I think it's a great point. I, I am like I said, I'm super lucky because our entire leadership team, we all get along, we all fight, we, but we we all see a common vision, mm-hmm. and we're moving towards that, and we don't all have to agree every single day. It's okay. It, it doesn't have to be binary. That's right. It's not also a democracy. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> Ideas are welcome, but I mean, at the end of the day, if you don't feel like you can communicate intelligently as an equal, then it's not going to work out. That's right. Yeah. That's, that's sometimes the hardest thing is like being able to, you know, be self-aware enough to know like your faults, you know, because I know sometimes I'm very, uh, very knee jerky. You know, if you, you? knee jerk reaction, really, like, I, that's why a lot of times, Derek? I mean, one of my good friends told me the other day, he's like, man, you just never react on things right away. I'm like, because that's all I fucking did my whole <laughs> life. And now I'm learning like, okay, it's not just for the last five years, it's been, you know, working, but I had to be self-aware about it. I've had to understand that that's, that's one of my biggest downfalls. Like if you, if you push me, I'm going to push you back harder right away where 
Now it's like, okay, now you kind of back up, kind of think about things, assess things, think about the smartest way, because it's not just me that I'm affecting, I'm affecting my whole store. And I have 50 families that I have to feed. That's the way I look at it, and I have to make sure I'm doing the best. That's the reason I stopped drinking so much too, not just because of me personally and my family, but it's, I mean, it's not that I don't drink, I just don't drink as much as I used sure. to, but it's, you know, I have to make sure that I'm the best Derek that I can be for everybody. And it's not fair to them if they're putting all their effort into me and saying, hey, you know, we trust you, we trust your vision, everything, and I'm out there not being the best I can be. I owe it to them. I owe it to my family to make sure that I'm putting myself in the best position possible to do the best things for them and everyone around us. Totally agree. Tell us about the stages of, uh, of raising money. Oh, man. And would you do it the same way? No. Um, definitely learned our lesson there. And, and it's just practice. A lot of it is connecting interest to opportunity and not sort of entrepreneurs are naturally enthusiastic and they're very <laughs> <You think>? pas- <laughs> they're very passionate about their idea and they think they're all going to become billionaires right like that's natural right that's why you are going to go through all the pain you're and go suffering hell <laughs> to try to get there um, it's funny I, I have some very successful uh you know, college friends and whatnot who sold for hundreds of millions of dollars and they almost like when it happened they were done with it, they're like, Oh Jesus, I never <laughs> want to do that again. Yeah. Because it's it's exhausting and it's it, it rips a part of you away. Um so when I when I originally approached fundraising, I was just a networking machine. I was trying to get in front of as many people as possible and just played the odds. Right? Someone's going to eventually. Like, phys- like physically in front of people? Uh, yeah, physically, emailing, email, LinkedIn, whatever, whatever yeah, I could right. to try to create some personal relationship or connection so that it this reinforced. Pre, pre-company formation? No, this was, you know, company was formed and we were sort of spending half time in Calicles, half time in Cloudbeds. And originally it was digital arbitrage. Um, so... Eventually, we realized that there was this sort of approach, and um, you wanted to give as um, as much information as you could, and then you also wanted to keep the money more, right? So we've raised twenty million dollars uh, since we started the company. We'll raise uh, and how many rounds of funding? Uh, four rounds of funding. We'll do more funding this year and then next and, and things like that for acquisitions or strategic projects things like that uh, capital is now easy to get because we're at because this, of your track record we're at a great track you know great great company great metrics great people so huge opportunity when you're not at the stage what what i tell <laughs> a lot of entrepreneurs is you, like you you are flirting with two milestones that are, are really cool. One is you have to build a product, right? That's milestone number one. Right. Or you have to make revenue. So when you don't have a product, it's very easy to get to a milestone where you build the product. So it takes money to build that product. Great. Investors will get behind if they believe that has viability. The revenue game is a little different because as soon as you make revenue, they're like, okay, now go double it. And then go double it again, and then double it and double it and so on. And so that exponential growth that they want to start seeing is much more difficult. Sure. It's real. And and a lot of times, I, as an investor, if I were an investor, I would do the same thing. I'd say, I want to see the proof that you can keep hitting those stages, which means your timing as an entrepreneur might not be aligned with the investor's timing. So when you're, when you're a, a pre-revenue organization and a revenue-generating organization, you're graded differently. And we hadn't determined, we didn't understand that when we first started raising our money. 
And so we were setting our expectations around the wrong KPIs, um, key performance indicators. Right. And it took four rounds before we finally clicked. We're like, oh, oh, okay, yeah, let's stop talking about this and let's really start talking about this. And once we started talking about this, the rest kind of fell into place. Really? And, and, and I don't know why we didn't realize this earlier, but I think we were just so busy building a business, raising money. And we were, it's a craft. It it's was a, just it's, constant. It's an entirely different craft of negotiation, of pitching, of doing your – it's completely different business. That's right. And, and the other hard – or the other thing that I learned late in the game was these are your partners that are investing in your future. So you have to get it out – up in the open right away of what your expectations are on both sides and if you can't mar- marry the the requirements that both sides have meaning investor wants this type of ownership stake they expect this type of returns and you're like yeah we're willing to give you that ownership but i, I don't know if those returns are realistic can we recenter refocus what those outcomes might be if that's not on the table early on you then will come into a situation where you're around a board meeting and you're like, wow, your numbers didn't hit what we thought you would be. Right. And it becomes this grading system. And then over time, pressure starts to mount and it becomes unhealthy because their money is at stake. You're doing your best, but maybe there's blockers that you can't control and that's preventing you from hitting milestones that might be reasonable or unreasonable. So along the way, we finally realized that everything has to be fully transparent. Everyone has to be on the same page from the get-go. Set realistic expectations. Use benchmarks as much as possible. Collect information and just run your organization based on what metrics make sense at your stage and so on. Uh, that took two years to get to. Um, but I, I can't tell. I, I was on a panel a couple weeks ago talking about that very same. It's like mm-hmm. you get graded very differently Go learn what those metrics are. It's relatively available on on the web. And once you learn that, you can then start saying, okay, here's what I can, you know, put the business model behind. Because most, you know, performers that I see, because I mentor occasionally, they're just, they're like the ones we sent early on. They were unrealistic. They didn't make any sense. So now we're, we're, we're very different. Everything's a, a, a formula. There's all math to back it up. And we know, statistically speaking, like we will hit these numbers based on the fact that we've done it for 18 months and this is what our sales team can do and this is what our marketing can do. It's just a really easy formula. Well, when you're new, you don't have any history. So it's guesstimates. And, and I think once you try to hit realistic milestones, raising money is really easy. And there's a lot of money out there that's interested in putting money towards businesses. Yeah, true expectations are something that are are best put on the table right away. Um, you know, Sean and I, when we first started doing um, our events and Del Mar and stuff, it, the the best thing that we did that we didn't even know that we were doing is that we just talked about everything and kind of just put it all out there. Like, well, what do you want to get out of this? Like, what what are our goals? And if it for us, <laughs> luckily it wasn't a monetary thing because um, we haven't made any money on it. But it's uh, it was a, a thing of we just wanted something to give back to the community, yeah. and that's what we were in it for. But expectations, knowing those right away, and knowing if you can hit those, is like the most important thing for you to do. Just us looking at this La Jolla place, it's like we have to know what their expectations are, what ours are, what we can and can't do. I'm not going to put myself in a position where I want it so bad that it's an emotional thing. It has that's to just right. be based. Here's what, here's our number. 
here's what we can do. If you guys want us, sign the LOI. We're good right. to go. And, yeah. and that's the only way we can do it. I think you have to do that with people, too. It's like staff, sure. for example. So I read a book. Um, actually, our whole management team read a book. It's called Turn That Ship Around. It's actually a really incredible management um, exercise. And it talks about a naval uh, nuclear submarine and the fact that we have like 10 in existence or 20, whatever the number is. But one of those ships was the worst in the fleet. And so they took a captain, um, put him in command. And he's like, if I'm going to do this, we're going to do it my way, which is not the traditional top-down management that you'd see in the military. We're going to do it bottoms up. And we're going to use this as an experience. So um, anyway, long story short, gave him the ship. He started using the bottom-up approach. And he basically went into hyper-training and accountability. And he said, look, if you, as the lowest-ranking officer or, or cadet or whatever in that boat, boat, boat can't do the task that you're required to do, you're leaving everyone else vulnerable because that broken chain and in, 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 in your broken link in the chain means that the chain's not uh, in full. So he focused on training and training and training and training and accountability and responsibility. So anytime someone says, I, Sean, what is your task today? It's like, well, I, do I have permission to do this? It's like, no, change your vocabulary. I intend to do this for this reason. Not do I have your permission, sir? I intend to do this for this reason. It empowered the decision-making to be at the lowest rank. <laughs> and what happened is you'd have like individual, team, department, boat. Right. And it, it became so successful in nine months that ship went from the worst performing to the best performing in the Navy. And it was all about accountability and training. And so we took a look at our, our own organization. We're like, okay, how do we get each individual to be so good at what they do? And if they're so good at what they're doing, they're better than their peers at other companies. And then also create an environment that inspires them to be happy, engaged, have ambassadorship, tell other people about it. Cobbas is the winning formula. We've got really good performing people that are outperforming their job and they're fired up and they're happy. That's all I need from my staff. Sure. And Rich and I just believe that the more we can invest around those two areas, the better the company will be. And so the third missing link that we're now realizing as we scale is transparency of communication. It's just getting everything out there and making sure that there's nothing behind the scenes that we don't know about. So we actually pulse our, our staff anonymously every single uh, month. We ask them their health. How are they feeling? Are they engaged in their, what they're doing? How's their relationship with their peers? How their relationship with their <coughs> managers? All those different things. And how do you do that? Uh, we use Slack, which is our communication platform, and we have a bot that fires a text message or a message. That's an internal bot or is that? It's a it's a company that we yeah. subscribe to. Uh, highly recommend it to anyone what is it? out there. It's called, it's called Office 5. Is the Office product. 5 is Office the product for Slack. Yeah, for but it can do it via email as well. Perfect. It doesn't need to be through Slack. Well, everything we talk about, we put in the show notes, so we'll put a link um, awesome. to yeah. that. So huge fan of Office 5. Company's based in Montreal, and we've written about it because it's really impacted us. So we're able to look at the health of our organization on a numeric level so we can see the net promoter score, so how people are... How likelihood is someone 
willing to refer cloud beds to their friend or, sure. or family uh, in a place to work. Um, we can see where people's health levels are, their engagement levels are, their their focus, and, and all those metrics we took. And then there's also this, at the end of the questions, there's an opportunity to send to management a comment. Mm-hmm. It can be about anything. What sure. can we do to improve? And it comes straight to Anonymous? Rich, anonymous. Cool. They can turn it on to be public as if well. If they want. But most of the time, it was anonymous. And what I told the team, uh, and what Richard and I believed, was if we show them that we're making decisions based on their input eventually we'll come full circle to them them not clicking the anonymous and it will just be transparent and be public so we we did this um, our stats went through the roof people saw that we were making decisions based on feedback and they started adding more feedback and more and the communication started strengthening and then the next part of that is to get it all out there publicly and so we've tried to change our mindset of there's no hierarchy inside cloud beds. Anyone can come and talk to myself or Rich or, or across department. The whole idea is to fix the problems that we might face, the inefficiencies, and try to improve. But the only way we can do that is if everyone is aligned with wanting to fix those things. If there's people that are unhappy, I want to know about that. I want to know why. Is it do I need to invest in them? Is it training? Is it they're in the wrong role? All those things. Is it a money thing? Fine. Whatever it is. If I don't know about it, or if Rich doesn't know about it, or if their department heads don't know about it, how do we fix it? Yeah. So we're really trying to create a different type of organization. And I, I, I'd say 50% of my time is spent just thinking about how we improve as an organization. And luckily, I've got Rich, who's incredible, who also thinks about this, but just from a different mindset. And so mm-hmm. together, our, our perspectives normally align, and we're able to sort of implement things i think you can do that too because we on more of a, a personal touch you you have you would you say 31 different places you guys are you guys sit and uh so for us i mean everyone's here that's right everyone's at my at the office so we we try to do it um as much as possible and try to bring all our employees in and just kind of get the same thing it might i mean might be a good idea to kind of be able to give them a platform though to be able to say something without having to try to say it to my face that's right if it's something that they think's negative think about restaurants right hotels any business that has reviews platforms that exist it's a lot easier to write behind a a username than it is to go to the cook and say you know what this food was dog shit right yeah so by giving them a medium doesn't necessarily mean you remove the one-on-one but it gives them a place that they might feel a little more comfortable sharing that and, and it was hard because some of the feedback was like, Adam's a dick. Like, oh. How do you fix that? <laughs> Can't fix that. No, but I mean, like, I never got that. But like, there was things that were about our management, you know, our focus and things like that. So I highly recommend. There's a lot of platforms out there. There's even ones made for this industry, the hospitality industry. So, um, which I'll happily share with you guys. Yeah, yeah no, I'd definitely be interested in it because we're always trying to, I, I always want my employees to feel empowered. Yeah. And I always want to make sure that they feel like they do have an input because I know what it's like to feel suppressed. I felt suppressed for nine years going through this with my family and my ideas. I had to strong arm my ideas. If I didn't just fucking do it myself, no one was going to do it. So I want my employees to feel like, you know, although they need to know that, there's going to be reasons why I'm going to say no, but I'll let them know the reasons because yeah. if we've tried something already or if there's, you know, uh, legalities and things that we can't do, but I want them to feel like, let them know that I'm listening. Uh, I'm here for them too. Just as much as they're here every day for me, I'm, I'm working just as hard for them too. And, and I think it's important for 
business owners and people that are in a higher position know that they don't just work for you. You work for them. Absolutely. You know? So it's, uh, it's important. And I, yeah, I'm definitely going to take you up on that and let me know what it is. And um, I'll, uh, we also I'll, I'll make Corey uh, get on that. <laughs> we also, as managers, normally we don't get a lot of feedback up. No. Right? right. It's normally down. Right. And so it, once you create that bond or that trust – you start getting it up too, mm-hmm. which yeah. makes us stronger. It makes us accountable. That's right. That's it, it, right. Sometimes I, I lack. I mean, I don't. I'm not really accountable to anybody. And it's like I know I'm pretty good at what I do, but it's like, man, it would be kind of. It's there's a vulnerability about it that's scary, but yeah. it will be exciting to kind of say because I think I, I think I run a pretty good job, and I think people are happy. But let's see, let's see <laughs> when they can do it anonymously if they. And you if know what? Really if are. it's not. You fix it. Yeah. yeah. I think it. one of the I mean one of the biggest challenges I've shared on this podcast is as we've gotten more employees, you know, going from eighteen employees in two thousand and eight to, you know, eighty seven employees now, one of the biggest challenges I had was I wasn't on site as much as I was before. I was still at the property, I just wasn't on site. So how did we deal with the fact that before people could come up to me and talk to me and share information with me and every manager is different. You know, if you're going to have a, a strong hospitality company, you have to have different differences in perspective. And one of the things that we did, you know, after talking to Derek and Corey and Eric and my wife, um, you know, we started doing this breakfast club, which is kind of around the same thing. And we wanted to have open sharing. If people don't feel like they can come and talk to me, and I don't care how that feedback comes, you know, it's like you said. And the best part is technology is removing a lot of the barriers that businesses had to deal with before. So it doesn't matter if it comes on a LinkedIn message or if they send it through Hot Schedules, which is our scheduling, you know, messaging platform that we use for the restaurant. It really doesn't matter, right? If but if they don't tell me, I, I can't read their mind. Yeah. Um, so. I think it, it took me a little bit longer to figure this out, but we as leaders have two responsibilities. One is to hit our numbers, right? <laughs> you know, pay, sta- pay, pay salaries, have enough money to come in, support the business, right? So traditional, you got to build a business. Fine. But the second one I think is the most important. It's to create an environment for your staff and yourself to succeed in. Sure. And I think most of us focus on the first part because that's what pays the bills. But it's when you can free yourself up to start thinking about the second part is when the sparks fly. Right. And and I think having a co-founder, having a partner, being able to share responsibilities, it allows you know time to be freed up towards that other area, which is the it's equally as important, but it's also pushed under the the, the carpet a lot of times because you're so focused on the bottom line paying the bills well, all the f- but that that's the most exciting part and that's the thing that you guys obviously built your company as on is is the technology side is yep. that you are empowering independent restaurant independent hotels to have tools that they never had before you know the way that a restaurant when we opened we had to buy you know a pos machine we went yep. for the best we had micros bid against aloha you know we ended up going with aloha spending five thousand dollars a terminal yep. and now we have all these different challenges as software gets updated yep. we have licensing fees we have the third party problems you know if we want to bring on gift cards we have integration with the website now that we want to do online ordering there's so many different issues that we have because of our old system yep. and i can only imagine it's the same in the hotel business yeah it it is. It is. Micros is the largest hotel software platform in the world. So anything you feel and face, <laughs> the restaurant side, you 
it's it's the same on the hotel side. So what do you see is happening in the restaurant space? Well, you have companies like Toast, for example, which have raised a bunch of money, have phenomenal products, have just blown past the sort of growth rates that Oracle saw when they were they were growing up. It's specifically made for restaurants and bars. Team of X restaurant, you know, tours who were like, I'm done. I'm not using these tools anymore. So Halo was awesome early on. Halo was another point of sale that kind of came up and running. They took all the infrastructure that Micros and NCR and Aloha was already running on. They just put a different GUI on top of it. Toast realized the same thing. Halo just became an, an, a, a Micros and an NCR. They became closed. All their open technology disappeared. And Toast says, fuck it, we're going to blow all you guys out of the water. And we're going to take our own approach. Um, I, I think hospitality in general, or just verticals in general, where you have fragmented old legacy tools that are typically powering those industries, need to be modernized. Um, you know, you have it on the, no, the donation side of things are changing. It's just a matter of time where all verticals get modern technology, and you start to see these powerhouse suites. Uh, where where we exist in the future, it becomes apps and, and and so on. Talk about digital marketing on a B two B model. You know, it's hard. So we we spend a lot of money on advertising. We buy a lot of leads. Um, we we know exactly how much we can spend on a lead to know that we'll make profit off that. So for us, it's just like, hey, you can send us leads, great. Through through what? Nah, it doesn't matter. What's your split? Oh, I mean, we get 50% inbound, 50% outbound. So we go find 50% of them. Um, so I don't care where the leads come from. If mm-hmm. it means our customers are going to send us leads, awesome, great. Like, we'll pay our customers to send us leads. We have an ambassador program where we pay $200 to any of our customers who refers us business. And we give $50 in credit to the refer, you know, the referee. Mm-hmm. The, the new product and, and we've continued to look at models like that because we know the product is so good yeah that we're not going to lose the customer if we do things right and and part of part of that is just we're customer centric like i told you we invest in our people we invest in customer but if those hotels don't know about your product they can't they can't use it right that's right and so our our big thing that we we talk about daily is how do we get more eyeballs on the product because once we qualify leads or opportunities, we close most of the time, at least almost majority of the time. So it's just a matter of getting people who have small properties that fit our qualification to knock on our door or we knock on theirs and say, this is cloud beds and this is your future. Eventually, we want to get to the point where it's like a box, like we ship up a box. It's mm-hmm. like, here's everything you ever need. Right. You never have to think about any other system. Even for us, we use QuickBooks or Zero or any of the accounting software. Like eventually, it would be awesome just to have one tool that runs our business. And you, if you look at what Salesforce is doing, they're buying companies to try to make that one service and sales and marketing platform. You know, Google has Google Apps, which we we use every single day. Yeah. They now have a recruitment side of it, so it's like you have your your management tool, and now you have your recruitment. So they're they're filling in the gaps. And, we're going to see more and more consolidation happening in, in, in the business world, which is great. Uh, it means less uh, legacy or outdated tools, but it also means that change is 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 coming. And what's the social and content side? What's, you know, your, what's your focus? For us, it's harder because 
there's not this consumer drive, right? I'm not touching the consumer ever. I, I, we use social, we empower our properties to use social, so we have social booking engines. Uh, we're investing in technology that allow our, our properties to use social buying or advertising to help. You also put them on WordPress, right? Uh, we can. So we're, we're unbiased when mm -hmm. it comes to website platforms. So if someone wants to use Squarespace or Wix, we don't care. Uh, we have technology that just embeds in them. Um, over time, we'll keep adding to that, right? It doesn't, we don't care what they're using as long as they're doing it. And I think as we look at the life cycle of the business, we're very tech-focused. Uh, tech Eventually, we want to be services-focused, too. We want to have a team of experts that, uh, whether it's free or paid, are there to empower that business owner further. Mm -hmm. So I'm really excited about what we do next year in that area. So I noticed you started getting more active on LinkedIn, writing articles. Um, you know, you guys have the pillow talk, and I know you're. It's tough as the founder, you know, both you and Rich, you know, trying to know that that's important, but then finding the fucking time to do it. Um, you know, what are your thoughts moving forward? You're gonna start to see us do more of it. Yeah. Um, are you gonna start a podcast? Uh, no podcast. <laughs> I, I don't have the no. voice for it. <laughs> no, you know. It, like it's a full-time job basically and we we want to invest so we we started a podcast actually oh really we where can i find it never oh i'm gonna ask it ellie is, she's it is gonna buried, give it to me. <laughs> it is buried deep it is very deep no oh, i you know we uh we 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 started some YouTube video stuff and tested it out and see if it if I forgot I've watched it. Oh, I've watched them. It was really depressing early on. <laughs> um, no, but you know, you can see we've got some views on some of the stuff and we don't do nearly enough in that area. Uh, we will definitely invest in that future, but it will be in a different shape. We might use this as a vehicle. However, really what it's about is education. It's about empowering those, those that's owners. That's right. It's, about, it's about doing what you did for me. Thought leadership. All across the globe. That, so that, that somebody that's running a hostel you know, in Bulgaria on the Black Sea, that's that right. they understand that this tool can help them. Is and it they brothel can... or hostel? <laughs> Could be I said, both. I said a hostel. Right. We don't allow a... hourly rents. <laughs> I, I said a hostel. <laughs> no, so one of the things, like Rich and I want to write a book um, where, where we find that time. Oh, don't get Sean yes. started. Uh, oh, yeah. He's book, so book time. He, he's ready to write a book right now. I'm going to make him write a book first. That's right. But so, so what we want to do is talk about our people organization, how we how we built this remote organization, what we do in I, we we've written some content about. I've seen it; it's great. How we did that, and we can go in so much more depth, and, and and that might not be this year, it might be next, but it's really not about us; it's about the people that surrounded our, our ourselves and who've helped us get to where we are to figure out what worked and what didn't work. Sure. So we want to celebrate them a little bit, and and I think a lot of our writing that we'll eventually get to at some point this year is just about flushing out some of that ideation and getting us ready to take on that project. It's just a pet project. You yeah. know, if we but never it probably sell keeps you sharp. I mean, it keeps you on, on your toes about exactly what you're doing and it kind of reminds you all the time about this is why we're doing it. It gets back to the why. I read a shit ton of blogs. Yeah. Um, I am all over LinkedIn. I'm on that constantly. I just love absorbing information. Sure. Uh, yeah, the why, the, the Simon Sinek why. I, I think we we are still struggling with our why to some extent. Not in the sense that we don't know what we're doing. We are still playing with that voice, that storyline that we're trying to s tell, which is what um, 
to some extent, the biz, the industry is really uh, adopting. They like what we're doing. Right. Mm-hmm. We just need to perfect it a sure. little bit more and reinforce it with uh, university of materials that give them thought leadership and whatnot. Uh, it's funny. I saw the pillow talks. How, how, uh, how does cloud beds fix hotel apocalypse of Comic-Con right here in San Diego? I didn't even know this was a thing, but I was on Twitter and all. Uh, apparently, hotel apocalypse is a thing where you'd think that people would continue to complain about how terrible our convention center facilities are, but it's back to hotel rooms. They're upset about hotel rooms? Yeah. They're upset about well, the availability of hotel rooms. Well, it's because we don't have enough supply. Yeah. Um, short-term rentals help. Airbnb. Airbnb, Homeway, Fierro, things like that. Uh, the funny thing is Comic-Con has such a massive audience mm-hmm. people stay up in Encinitas yeah, yeah. right so there, it's not that there's a shortage of property the The problem is the property has become exorbitantly expensive um, even our Airbnb that we occasionally were using um, two years ago we would we could get a thousand dollars a night during Jesus. Comic-Con right that's, yeah. that's absurd absurd <laughs> people are paying it yeah so the the problem is when you add more supply it's going to deflate prices that could be healthy that could be not healthy for the industry there's no shortage of supply in san diego there are enough hotel rooms and short-term rentals to accommodate comic-con times two it's just coordinating it all and the city is still trying to figure out what they're going to do with short-term rentals the hotel industry is complaining about you know taxes there's a reason we didn't finance our, our stadium, right? All those things could have been done in, in an amicable way. But we're, we're, we're the, a top travel destination for leisure and for business because of how wonderful the weather is. But we don't have the facilities to accommodate it. We need to invest in that as a city. I don't think it's a problem, but we can fix it. Yeah, that'd be, uh, that'd be great. I think we need to buy up some Airbnbs. I think so. thousand for, bucks a night? For Del Mar. Think we can turn this podcast room into one? Thousand dollars a night. Dude. Someone would probably rent it. Right. Well, shit, Sean. We uh, we got to talk a little bit about Del Mar, man. Yeah. We got Del Mar coming up. We've Absolutely. Got, uh, a little bit new concept we got this year. It's called Turf and Surf. August nineteenth. August nineteenth. Uh, it's our third one. We want uh, everybody that's listening to make sure you reach out and um, if you're in San Diego during those times, uh, get involved. Um, if you want to talk to Sean and I um, about you know being a sponsor or just coming in and learning some reach out to us email us um, hit up Sean on Twitter he loves that yeah hit me up on Twitter and um, yeah make sure that you guys save that date August 19th Delmar racetrack turf and surf we're gonna add a seafood uh, component to it that way it's gonna be a little bit more Southern California. Yeah, we also added the tri-tip category. Just a tip, tri-tip. Yeah, we've been talking about that for a while, but teams, barbecue teams that wanna sign up, they uh, they can go to behindthesmokemedia.com and there's a tab for the Turf and Surf Barbecue Championship uh, and that'll take you to the sign up page. Um, but for us, this week's social shout out, we're gonna to go to at uh, Papa Bark. So uh, Papa Bark, Ryan Barkley, he owns a landscape company. He's been advertising with the Dave and Jeff podcast. Uh, Dave and Jeff, Jeff, we had on the pod- podcast a while back. Uh, he's been doing radio. we got to get him back on. He's yeah, fucking He's funny. fucking hilarious. Um, but he's been crushing it um, with their podcast, and they're going to be coming and doing a live show this Sunday for WrestleMania. 
So Papa Bark, uh, he's embracing social. He's putting his landscape business out there. He's been tweeting. He's been on LinkedIn. Uh, he's going to be the, the winner this week. Uh, one of the things that we do here is we just appreciate those people that are getting involved. I mean, life is about action. It's about staying curious. It's about being uncomfortable. You know, bringing on people like Adam that, you know, we've had a, a, a whole history that we've built together. Um, but Adam supported the restaurant. He supported our barbecue events, and that's just because of our friendship. Um, we catered his wedding, uh, which was difficult to do because my wife and I want to micromanage everything. But our catering team, uh, Abby, uh, Bill, they all did an incredible job, and we were able to enjoy uh, enjoy the event. But uh, Adam, how do, how do people get in touch with Cloudbeds? Uh, easy. Just hit up our website. Sorry. I was getting too casual here. <laughs> Uh, no, if you're interested in talking to us, it's easy. www.cloudbeds.com. We've got you know multiple different ways to talk to our team. They're great people, and they're just looking to help. Yeah, so thank we you. We appreciate good. everything you do, man. Thanks for coming out. Oh, yeah. This is awesome. Love the time. Love what you're doing. And, uh, you're making San Diego you. proud, man. Absolutely. Silicon Valley, look out. <laughs> look out. <laughs> tech hotbed out here. Some good companies here. There are some good companies out here. Yeah. Well, thank you, Adam, for your time. We appreciate it. Uh, we're actually going to be uh, coming back tomorrow with another Facebook Live um, for our next podcast with Curtis Jackson. Uh, this is going to be a really cool podcast, a little different. And uh, thank you guys for tuning in. We'll check you out tomorrow. Peace. Hey guys, this is Sean and Derek, and we just really want to thank you for listening to the podcast. It means the world to us. We'd like you to go check out BehindTheSmokeMedia.com. That's our website where we have barbecue resources for you to help build your barbecue business. Uh, we also have events listed, so anything that's happening in the West Coast barbecue movement, uh, anything that's going on, we want you to go check that out so you can learn more and get involved. We also have show notes uh, from all the episodes, so anything we talked about in the episodes, you can find detailed show notes there. Um, plus, you can just get in touch with us. It's important that uh, we're here as a resource for you. So please reach out. Let us know how Derek and I can help you with your barbecue journey. Uh, get involved. Stay curious. And uh, follow us on social at Barbecue War Stories. Uh, we'll talk to you soon.